to Life Lessons. We're Jen and Sherry. I'm Jen Stevens, a retired teacher of 28 years and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat. And I'm Sherry Bullock. I've worked in healthcare for over 26 years, and I've been an active volunteer for many organizations. We're both wives and moms, and let's face it, we're the glue that holds it all together in our homes. In our careers, we have always been problem solvers who help others. And that's what we'll be doing here, answering questions you didn't know you had, one smart solution at a time. We're always looking for ways to make our lives easier, help us be more productive, or improve our health and wellness. So let's live our best lives one day at a time, and let's have some fun along the way. Hi, everybody. We are so glad you're here today. Welcome to episode 51 of the Life Lessons podcast. How are you doing today, Sherry? I'm doing wonderful. Anything new going on with you? Well, I want to share with our listeners. This is my uh, lesson of the week. I feel like we've talked about this in some prior episodes. Number one, I don't like to ask for help. And number two, I don't like to admit that I can't do everything. That sounds just like me. I don't like to ask for help. And I don't like to admit that I can't do things. And then number three, I don't like to pay somebody to do something that I should be able to do myself. Oh, my God. That is also me. But I have just been really overwhelmed this year. I have a lot on my plate. I know y'all probably don't know, but it takes a lot of time to run the podcast group and, you know, prepare the podcast and then do the editing after production. And it's time consuming. And I work and I also do intermittent fasting work. So I'm a busy person. And Eric with his surgeries. Yes, my husband can't seem to stay out of trouble. Which he may have to have another surgery, y'all. So anyway, I finally this year said enough's enough. I cannot keep up with my, I have a very big yard and my lawnmower needed like service and a new blade and oil change that has a flat tire. And it just the thought of having to load it up and take it someplace to have it fixed so I could use it this year was like too much for me. And I said, you know what? I'm hiring a lawn crew. Well, number one, that's not as easy as it sounds. I've gone through five. I'm on my fifth one. They sometimes just never show up again after they've done it one time. And then one guy was so bad, I had to fire him. He would literally just leave. It was so hard. I felt bad. And then I also was worried that he was going to come back and like serve retribution or something because he knows where I live. But like he would just leave giant patches of grass unmowed, like giant patches. And I'm like, ugh. Why did you not? It was like he missed it. And then it was just like, I'll get it when I come back. And it looked awful. And so I was like, I don't need your services anymore. You have one job. I know. And so I finally went. I have a little neighborhood Facebook group. I have a very small neighborhood. But I got on there and I asked for if anybody knew of a good, dependable lawn crew. And these one people said, oh, call this guy. It's just. That was very Alabama, by the way. You said these one people. That sounded very Alabama. (laughs) These one people down the road. They knew somebody. It was his cousin and them. This man's so small, he doesn't even have a crew. It's just Isaac. 
And he's in my phone as Isaac. And I messaged Isaac and he came over and he gave me a bid, which was cheaper than anybody else. So I was like, this is not going to go well, but we'll give him a try because I need my lawn mode. Oh, no, he does an exceptional job. He's fabulous. He comes every week on time. He's never left my dogs out. And today he came, he mowed, all my leaves are gone because the leaves are starting to fall and my yard was looking a mess. They're just magically gone. My yard looks nice. And I'm like, this is the best $30 a week I've ever spent. Now, he comes every other week. It's 60 bucks every time. But but it's it, 30 a week. It's 30 a week, right? And I'm like, this is the best $30 a week I've ever spent. I didn't. I don't even have to think about my grass growing. I don't have to go, oh my gosh, it's raining again. I'm going to have to mow my grass again. <laughs> I no longer have to pull in my neighborhood. I am the first house in our subdivision too. So I no longer have to pull in and be like, oh my gosh, the neighbors are going to hate me if I don't mow this week. So we have a hard time with that. Chad doesn't like to pay people to do things that we can do ourselves. He doesn't like to. The moral of the story is, if you do not get joy from doing a chore, I mean, I used to love to go and be like, mow my yard. I'd be like, look how great my yard looks. And I did this. And then I just got past that. Like, I just got too busy. And then I, and then it just became a chore and I didn't enjoy it. I don't like to do tasks that need to be done over and over. Although I love laundry. Now I come down home and I go, oh, look how nice my yard looks. They did a great job. I do love laundry. You and I are different there. We are. So yeah, don't feel afraid. I mean, I was spending hours. I mean, it takes like four hours to do my yard. So, But I bet it doesn't take Isaac four hours. Oh, no, because he's got professional equipment. And he's got a guy that follows around behind him with the weed whacker and the blower. And and they're in and out in like 45 minutes. They make it look easy. So outsource. That's my lesson. Well, you know, that's really true. That conference that I just went to in Arizona – one of the speakers, she's like, I try to pay someone to do everything and delegate as much as I can of my life. That's what she said. And I'm like, well, you know, and I'm terrible about that. Terrible about it. You know, people are always like, who's your personal assistant? I'm like, me. Connect with your personal assistant? No, you're just connecting with me. And then sometimes she gives out my email address. Well, that's true. You're not my assistant. You're my partner. But still. No. I gave Jen a hard time the other day because we were having some technical issues with the, our website, and she put my email address. And um, it was only for a very select few people that were supposed to email me. But my email, people just Zoom and they say, oh, email address. So I got like all the emails. Jen said, don't worry, I'm still getting a lot of emails too. I do get a lot of emails. I do. You know, with migrating the platform over, and I get it. I know that people have a lot of questions. This is for the Delayed on Tonight social network, migrating over to the Delayed on Tonight community, which is amazing, by the way. But, you know, I'm the point of contact for everyone with a question. And that's okay. I, You know, I will answer your question. I don't mind. But it literally is coming to me. It is not going to like a mysterious customer service person. It is Jen is answering your email. Yeah, when Jen answers your email, it's Jen. I am very much technical service, and I never realized the types of technical support people needed. I'm not, you know, going to say anything negative, but (laughs) it's interesting. Resetting passwords, that's a big one, big one. I'm perfectly happy to help you with with that. All I'm going to say is if you call a company for technical support and they are able to walk you through your problem calmly and are helpful, 
give those people a pat on the back because it is a frustrating job to have. And they've already answered that exact same question 42 times today. And I called Jen one day and I said, I have determined what job I would be really, really bad at. Customer service. for Or technical support. Yeah, technical support is hard because sometimes people will just send an email. They'll be like, help, I can't log on. And I'm like, well, okay. First of all, who is this? <laughs> what are you trying to log into? See, now that we have two, it's extra tricky because some people are trying to log on to the social network because we haven't migrated everyone over and some are trying to log on to the new one. So I'm like, number one, where are you trying to log in? Let's start there. And number two, what is your name? <laughs> number three, what have you tried? And then like seven emails later, you figure out what the problem was. You probably had a hunch what it was the first time, but it took a while to get You can't assume. No, you can't. So anyway, customer service, that's what I'm doing now. But it'll be, once everyone gets migrated over, I appreciate everyone who's been patient with the process. So I am grateful for that. I am not complaining. For every person that needs customer service from me, I'm happy to provide it. But it is just kind of funny sometimes. Yeah, it did give me a whole new appreciation for people who do that all day long, day in and day out. You know, one of the hardest things to do is apparently type in your CVC code, the three-digit code. That gets a lot of people. Really? Oh, yeah. The number of emails that I get that are like, I can't, I don't know what's, and I'm like, well, I will look and I'll see what happened. And it always says CVC code incorrect. Mine's rubbed off. Maybe people just guess. I don't know what they're doing, but they're just like, I think it was 543. I don't know. I think it was 972. And that wasn't it. <laughs> For the longest time, I thought mine was 747. That just sounded like the right number. And I would type it in all the time. It's never right. It was not 747. I don't know where 747 came from, but somehow it was in my head. See, look, you've just proved my point that three-digit codes are the hard. That is like the hardest thing of all. I get it. Also, password resets. Those two things are hard. Well, we start each show with our good news segment. And today's story comes from Meg in South Bend. And she wrote, the other day, my husband was shopping. He had to get a couple of things at Aldi's, and he accidentally left his wallet in the cart. He went to his next stop, and as he went to pay, he realized that he didn't have his wallet and retraced his steps. He went back to Aldi, and the cashier said he found the wallet, but someone else claimed it was his. My husband rushed home to get on the computer so he could cancel his cards. And as he was pulling in the driveway, he noticed a strange car. A man got out and he had Mike's wallet. He realized after he took it that it was not his and he drove out of his way to our house to return the wallet. There truly are nice people in this world. I was getting panicked for a minute. I was too. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, why would somebody do that? But that turned out great. Is it Aldi or Aldi's? I say Aldi. Aldi? I have no idea. That plus Lidl. The only reason I know how to say Lidl is because I heard him say it in the store one day. I was always saying Lidl. Do y'all have Lidl? How's it spelled? No. L-I-D-L. I-L-I-D-L. L-I-D-L. I would say probably Lidl. And it's Lidl? Yeah. And what kind of store is it? It's just like Aldi. Well, it's very similar to Aldi. I like it a little bit better. I don't know why. It also sounds a little German. I think it is. I think that it might be. Do you like Aldi? It's hit and miss. I like to cruise there. there. Actually, I like to get my organic produce there. If you get there when it's fresh, it's great. And Lidl has some good stuff like that, too. I just tend to be more like, like, I don't want a weird brand. I want the brand I want. So that's my problem. That's why I, I got to go to like the big giant stores. Anyway, 
<laughs> I'm a complicated order. Jen has a sweatshirt that says it, and I love it. I do. Yeah, I'm not wearing it today, but I could be because it's that cold. So <laughs> listeners, we need your stories. Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service. Give a shout out to a special someone in your life. Tell us an amazing story or share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode. Before we get to the life lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast. And today I want to talk about Beauty Counter again because you know that I love them and so does Jen. Specifically, I want to talk about one product that is getting rave reviews, and that is the Counter Plus Number 3 Balancing Facial Oil. It's great for all skin, but especially if you have flaky skin in the cold weather months or struggle with rosacea. It's a lightweight, non-greasy oil that helps to balance your skin, clear up spots or redness, and makes your face glow bright. I have not personally added it to my regimen because my skin is doing fabulous with the countertime regimen that I'm using, but I recently shared it with a friend who had some dry flaky patches on her face and eyebrows, and she really wasn't sure what it was. She couldn't decide if it was an allergic reaction or just a menopause thing, but she is loving it. It would be a great special gift for a woman in your life. You know, a spa day that lasts one time, but a bottle of like a nice facial oil that lasts for a whole year and throw in a wonderful, amazing beauty counter lip gloss. Have you tried their lip gloss yet, Jen? I've got their lip gloss, but I am just, you know me, I got my Burt's Bees right here. You know, Burt's Bees scores well on the Environmental Working Group app. So see, I can't use Burt's Bees. Really? What does it do for you? I'm putting someone right now. It burns my lips. I have very, very sensitive lips, and I have bought so many lip balms and lip glosses that burns my lips and makes them burn and dries them out. And even I even get little blisters on the edges of my lips. I don't know why I have such sensitive lips, but I constantly have to have something on my lips. And with I had a Burt's Bees gloss that I would use, but I was constantly reapplying it, reapplying it, reapplying this. This you put on, I literally will put it on like maybe three times on a 12-hour work shift like after eating or drinking hot liquids or whatever, you put it on, it just stays on. It's got like a little pop of color and it's smooth, but I don't even know how to describe the texture of it. It's not super sticky. It's not sticky. It's smooth. It feels really good. It's really hydrating. It does not irritate my lips. I was really nervous to try it. It it like took me nine months to order it because I was afraid. I was like, I don't want to do this and have my lips burn. But no, I love them. It's great. So yeah, throw like a balancing oil, lip gloss. It'd be a great little gift bag for a woman in your life. And yeah, I just ordered two more lip glosses today because I don't like to be without it. So you can find out more about any of these products or any of Beauty Counter's other clean beauty essentials at beautycounter.com forward slash Sherry Bullock or lifelessonscommunity.com forward slash Beauty Counter. And there'll be a link in show notes today. I just love Beauty Counter. Me too. And now it's time for our life lesson of the week. This week, we are going to talk about holiday season hacks. This is part two to last week's episode. So the holidays are approaching quickly, and while the holidays are full of fun, food, family, and friends, they all too often create quite a bit of stress in people's lives. And so we have asked the community to share their best time-saving, stress-busting hacks to help make the holidays easier and more enjoyable for everybody this year. So this is part two. Let's let the fun continue. 
And this is coming out on November 17th. I had to check the date. So I wanted to ask a question that's very topical for November 17th. When do you start decorating for Christmas? This is something that always comes up at the Stevens house because, you know, Jen is an early decorator. Chad believes that you should wait till after Thanksgiving, like so many people do. You know, some people wait till Christmas Eve to put up the tree, which I don't understand, you people. I believe you should do it whenever you want to do it because it's all about joy. You know what? I like that. I like that a lot. You know me. I don't really (laughs) care what other people think, Jen. I'm going to do what works for me and what makes me happy and what makes my life easier. So when you want to put your Christmas tree up, put your Christmas tree up. That is what I like to do. And, you know, we have Thanksgiving here at my house with all the Christmas decorations. And my family comes and I'm like, here we are. Well, they're not here on Christmas. We go to my dad's for Christmas morning. So, you know, if they didn't come, they wouldn't get to see the decorations. So, yes, I'm an early decorator. I like to decorate prior to Thanksgiving. I don't decorate. Well, you did last year. Nope. You had the little tree that I sent you. That was Okay. Yes, I did. Jen sent me a little miniature Christmas tree. It was fabulous. You know, that really, that was a perfect tree for me. I'm glad. Well, I do want to share a study from the Journal of Environmental Psychology, (laughs) which I thought was fun. When people were shown photographs of a house that was decorated for Christmas, they perceived the residents as more friendly and sociable. That doesn't mean that the residents are more friendly and sociable. It's just that people perceive you as more friendly and sociable. I also have heard people talking about how early decorating, because, you know, I read every article. You know, how back when I was on Facebook, I'm not anymore, but people share stuff like, this is what early decorating says about you. And I would read those types of things that people would share, that clickbait kind of stuff. I'm clicking. But <laughs> um, early decorating makes people happier. So you're more likely to be happy if you early decorate. And it can lead to an increase in dopamine, which is a feel-good hormone. It makes me so happy. You know, we have lights around my great room balcony, and Chad set them to automatically come on and automatically go off. You know, they go on before we wake up. They go off, you know, at bedtime. And there's just something about those lights walking out into the great room and so cheerful. I do love some twinkly lights. I was just thinking maybe I should outsource and have somebody come put a Christmas tree up in my house. but. Do you know why I can't? Well, my bathroom remodel is still in progress. And guess where my vanity and sink are? Oh, they're where your Christmas tree would be? Since June. Well, I understand long remodels. Oh, my furniture is coming for my screen porch tomorrow. The porch marsh. I'll be sitting out there. I'm so excited. I cannot wait. So before we get to our listener tips, you know, last week we shared about some of our favorite Thanksgiving traditions or memories. Let's talk about... Christmas. How about you? You've got some favorite Christmas? Well, I come from a blended family. My grandparents were uh, divorced. And I also, this may be, I mean, like we kind of had traditions, but we didn't have like strong written in stone traditions because my grandma was a nurse who worked night shift. My grandpa was a police officer. My dad worked night shift. So you celebrated literally any time in the month of December. It could, sometimes it was New Year's or the weekend after New Year's. So sometime in that period between like the second weekend of December and New Year's, we would celebrate Christmas. Now, if it worked out, we did Christmas Eve at my grandpa's house, but everybody had to be magical. Like my dad and him both had to be off. 
And um, then Christmas Day, though, was exclusive my grandma's house. You went to grandma's every Christmas afternoon, and it was potluck. She did the stuffing and turkey and candied yams, and then everybody else brought whatever they brought. Green bean casseroles, my, that's all I'm there for. We don't have a, a green bean casserole tradition in our family. Isn't that weird? Like, nobody on either side really made green bean casseroles. We just... I'm going to guess it might be more of a Midwest... I don't know. I think it's pretty universal. You know, I make my green beans. It's not green bean casserole, though. So we have just regular green beans. It's not in a casserole. Maybe if you know how to make green beans the way that we make them, (laughs) you don't need to casserole it up. I don't know. I'm just making that up. Well, I, you know, made green bean casserole a couple years ago, and it was not what I remembered from my childhood. But I've also gotten really picky about not using, like, the canned soup. But I found a recipe that where you make a white sauce and make it all from scratch, and it's amazing. Ooh, I bet that would be good. That does. If I tried to make that, though, my family would be mad because they'd be like, this is not the green beans that we are looking for. Like, for real. But my dad does not like deviations. That is not the way his mama made green beans. That's that tradition for that you. That is not how we're going to have the green beans. So, yeah. So our Christmas tra- tradition is always we go over to my dad's Christmas morning. We have a big brunch. We've been doing that for a long time. And, you know, when I was little, it was always blended family kind of a thing. Like you said, I would be at my one grandmother's house. I would wake up there. Every Christmas morning, I woke up at Grandmother Trainum's house. And that's where Santa visited me. And then in the middle of the day, I would go over to Grandma Calhoun's house where my dad's family was. And so we would have – that was where the big, big celebration was. And my dad – because my parents were divorced. So my dad and my stepmother and my brothers and my sister would be there at Grandma Calhoun. So you did Christmas morning with your mom and Christmas afternoon with your dad. Yep. But the beauty of it is, is that both sets of grandparents were within 20 minutes of each other because they they still lived where my mom and dad grew up, small town, South Carolina. We went from Greenwood to 96. 96 is a town. 96. (laughs) 96, South Carolina. Wow. And then I would go home with my dad to their house and stay with them for, you know, probably about a week or so after Christmas. And then I would go back home. For Christmas break. Yeah. Go back home to Virginia. But that was always, that was what we did. And, you know, it was so exciting leading up to Christmas at my grandmother Trainum's house because she had just a beautiful house, loved to decorate. And, you know, I would help her make Christmas cookies. It was always really magical. And then Christmas Day, go over to the the other families. But now, you know, it's it's just different. So here's an observation I have while just looking at Facebook. People talk about things on Facebook, and then they've even talked about them in the Life Lessons group a little bit. And then somebody, I think it was maybe one of Eric's nieces, had said they just don't know what they're going to do. They had a baby last year, and it's their baby's first Christmas. But they have these childhood traditions of what they do on Christmas morning. But now they're like, but what about our traditions? How do we, you know, like we want to start traditions and they've always, you know, gotten all together and they've always done this, but now the sisters have their own kids and she's like, so do we drag all these, you know, do I take my baby and my husband? Do I go this? And I told her, I said, do you have to start your own traditions? And I think that's where holidays get really complicated is people feel like they have to maintain old traditions while trying to create new traditions, and it gets to be too overwhelming. And, you know, as the generations change, you know, my grandmama Calhoun got to the point where she couldn't host it anymore. And then I remember it was really, really 
a shocker, right? You know, and it was like, what? When it was time, and my dad started hosting it for us, and we no longer saw the aunts and the cousins. And so then, but then we were having children, and, you know, my boys were little, and my brother had kids. And so then it was like, it just, you know, Christmas was where the kids were, right? Where the where the kids were. And so, you know, I remember going to Grandma Calhoun's and seeing all my cousins that we were young, but then we all grew up. And so then there's new sets of cousins. It's for the, the kids. So that's where we are now. We're at that point. And yeah, traditions are changing. Cal and Kate live in San Francisco and, you know, it's not as easy to come all the way across here. So we may not even see him this year. Yeah. So I think just being flexible, kind of going with the flow. It's okay to say that doesn't work for us this year. We're going to do something different this year and just try it. And, you know, you might try something new. You might think, I really want to start this tradition with my kids in my house. And I don't want to go to my parents' house this day or whatever. It's okay. Take a year out. Say, we're going to try something new this year. And maybe you love it and you want to build on it. Or maybe you're like, nope, that didn't work. We're going to go back to the other way. But it's your holiday. And it will change. The way that you're celebrating it now will look different in 20 years because your family changes. So you just, you change with the times. So don't get stuck to those old traditions as much as we love them. Do you have any New Year's traditions or memories? No. We're kind of lame on New Year's. We're not I'm going like, to tell you, going to your house last year for New Year's was like my first New Year's celebration since probably like 2008 or nine. So it had been probably 12 years since I'd done anything on New Year's. Yeah, we're not really that super festive normally. Of course, working, you know, night shift in the hospital, about every other New Year's, I end up having to work it, so. I would like to have a New Year's party. I've had them before. I've had, you know, in my old house one year, I think it was 2013, we had a New Year's Eve party there, and that was fun. The boys were teenagers. But, you know, maybe have like an open house drop-in for the neighborhood. I don't know. I'm still thinking about it. That'd be fun. Yeah, now that we're a little more opened up this year compared to last year. We'll see, maybe. So let's get into our what our listeners have shared. We have Christy from Kansas, who is something we were just talking about, blended family with all grown kids. So she said, we have Christmas on the even years, Thanksgiving on the odd years. It makes it easy to remember who gets what holiday. For many years, we've just given each of them the amount of money we would have spent on gifts. They all have bills to pay or things they're wanting to buy. And it makes it so nice for me to not have to keep track of how much we spent on who and where I need to make things even. This has saved me so much stress, and we plan to continue this forever. If it's the year we will have the holiday, we will buy the grandkids gifts to open. But on the odd years, they will get what they would have, what would have been spent on them in the form of a check as well. We also do money only for birthdays. I was finding I was always making a million things too many food-wise, so I sent out a group text and said, I will make anything you ask for, but if it's not on the list, I'm not going to make it. There were things that all five kids chose, and there were some items that just had one person choose them. And then when it was time to go home, they got to take their favorites with them. I save Cool Whip and sour cream containers all year, and they're great for send-home packages. Oh, that's a great one. My grandmother did that. We always had sour cream and Cool Whip. That's so funny. I just had flashbacks of that. And margarine tubs. Me too, now that you mention it. We didn't have those, you know, reusable Gladware containers back then. 
No, they saved them. You're exactly right. So Christy also shared a great tip in the Life Lessons group just the other day on Tuesday that made me think of when she said that they gave money every other year. And the one thing she said was if you have a card, but it doesn't have, it's not a money card, that you can take part of an envelope and tape it inside the card and then put the money in it so that when, you know, you're opening gifts and stuff and you open a card, you don't have money flying out, losing money tucks it in there. And honestly, that is really what the kids love to get. Because what kid doesn't have a list of things that they want? Exactly. I was always super happy with money. (laughs) But I'm like, no, I want to get a gift. But the kids are like, I really would just really like some money. So TJ from Alabama has gift and shipping hacks. Her strategy for wrapping is to bring out the ironing board. And she says you can lower or raise it to just the right level for sitting on the couch, etc. You have plenty of room for the tape, name tags, ribbon and scissors, and your legs and back will thank you. That is a great idea. I always sit on the floor. I stand at the kitchen counter. And I wrap them as they come in. I wrap them as they come in. I'm like that weirdo. She said, my daughter-in-law came up with the idea of me just shipping the grandchildren presents directly to their home in Texas. So I ordered them online from Amazon or Target where I can get free shipping. I even have the wrapping paper shipped to her from Hallmark online. And then she wraps the presents for me. Then they do a video call with me so that I can watch the kids open the presents. This process has saved me a lot of money in postage. There's no waiting in line at the post office also. Watching them open gifts on a video call is the next best thing to being there with them also. We did that with Santa Claus gifts. When the boys were little, we lived in the Atlanta area for seven years. And when they were little, we moved when Cal was four months old. And so we lived there through seven years, first seven years of his life. So he and Will never woke up Christmas morning in their own beds for the first, you know, five to seven years of their life. What we would do is we would go to my dad's and they would wake up there Christmas morning and until we moved back to Augusta. And then we could, you know, just drive over there. But, you know, when you're traveling, Santa doesn't wrap gifts in our house. Does Santa wrap gifts at your house? Santa just has them sitting out. No, Santa wrapped gifts in different paper than anything else. Santa doesn't wrap gifts at our house. Santa just leaves the, the gifts right there. So you're traveling and, you know, maybe Santa came to your house early and you're bringing the presents with you. So we would just ship, you know, Santa's gifts would be shipped to my dad's. And so they'd be there waiting. And then it was just super easy. Christmas morning, there's the Santa gifts. But of course, if you wrap them, but again, you're traveling, kids are paying attention to what you're packing in the car. So, but you know, shipping to the destination where you're going to be is a really good strategy. And, you know, as far as the video call, my parents just like they sent Avery um, a couple of T-shirts for her birthday last week. And so anytime they send her something, I just video her opening it and send it to them. And it makes them so happy. They feel part of it. So Lynn from Texas has some Thanksgiving planning and prep. She says, we have a notebook with all of our traditional recipes in it so we don't have to scramble to find them. More importantly, we have a timetable for Wednesday and Thursday for what dish to prepare and what time to bake and any other details like setting the table or getting out holiday dishes. That way, we don't have to think too hard once the family arrive and we don't have to recreate every year. We have a schedule for the week of Thanksgiving for items that can be prepped in advance. For example, I prepare all my pie crusts on Monday or Tuesday and refrigerator freeze until ready. You can do it the week before and freeze them as well. 
Then it's quick to make the pecan pie or pumpkin pie for the day of meal, and they are fresh. In that notebook, we also have a grocery list for all items so we don't forget anything. We tweak it every year and add notes. It took me 15 years to figure out that we needed to implement this system, and we've used it for about 20 years now. We made a notebook for our daughter-in-law when she asked for recipes, and we're passing on the tradition. For Christmas, I try to have gifts purchased and wrapped before Thanksgiving, and then I can enjoy all the festivities. Easier said than done. Yeah, that's true. I've actually already bought some Christmas gifts. Yeah, I love that, that she has the notebook. That's great. Anytime you can kind of automate your system, that's going to cut down on stress. Rhonda from Pennsylvania shared that once her kids got older and the grandkids came along, it was increasingly difficult to buy Christmas gifts for everyone. So we implemented a Secret Santa gift exchange for the adults. We used the website Elfster for our Secret Santa generator. There are many of these services available, but we use Elfster. You can use these sites to create a gift exchange by inviting guests, family members, friends who would be attending your Christmas party or dinner, and they can opt in. It's free and easy, and what I like about it is that you can request to leave certain individuals out of your computer-generated pick. They are still included, but you won't get them as your Secret Santa recipient. We include the entire family, including exes, so this enables us to include everyone, but eliminates any uncomfortable picks. You can set a price point, and everyone can make a wish list even. We have fun and everyone gets a Christmas gift on Christmas Day, and then we spend the bulk of our money on the grandkids. It's a fun way to save money and enjoy gift giving. It was a huge hit with our large family, and I think it was also a relief to many. Did I tell my funny, awkward secret Santa story last year from my elementary school where I first worked? Oh my God, it was hilarious. My first elementary school where I worked, Aiken Elementary, the principal, she was amazing and she's no longer with us. Lynette Reinhardt was her name. She was a fabulous woman. She was busy, but she was an amazing principal. I learned so much from her. But either the first or second year I was at the school, we did a big secret Santa and I drew her name and she drew my name. It was just a coincidence that we got each other, right? I mean, what are the chances? So I would give her a gift, and then like two days later, I would get that same gift. (laughs) Whatever I gave her, she gave to me. (laughs) Isn't that hilarious? She was amazing, but clearly too busy to shop for Secret Santa. So by the time that, you know, it was winding down, I just got things I wanted. That's what I was going to say. That's when you just start buying stuff you like. Starbucks gift cards. We didn't even have Starbucks or gift cards back then because it was 1990, 91. We didn't have those things back then. I don't even think there were gift cards. No, you went and bought a gift certificate at the store and they were handwritten. They were, yeah. So we didn't have that. So it was like, it had to be real stuff. And anyway, that was just fun. She was amazing. She was a great principal to, she'd like train you up the way you should go as a new teacher. All right. So Tiffany, any, that's Nebraska, right? I'm bad on my... (laughs) Those middle states? Yep. I almost said New England, but I'm like, that's not New England. That's Nebraska. Right above Kansas. There you go. Every year, the second weekend in December, I get together with a couple of girlfriends and we make 10 or so types of cookies or goodies. We've made all different types of cookies, fudge, lemon bars, homemade caramels, divinity, etc. We decide how many trays we want to give out, which determines how many goodies we make that year. We put the trays together. Each take some to hand out and, of course, keep some for our families. I've delivered trays to professional colleagues, and they get so excited for homemade goodie trays. 
It's so fun baking and sharing the large variety of cookies, all while having a fun day with the girls. Making that many different types of goodies would take one person forever, but many hands make light work, and it's fabulous to have some desserts handy to offer holiday guests, and it's extra fun if rum balls are on the list. I've never had rum balls. Oh, they're good. They And rum cake, so good. You just douse it in the rum. Well, I will say I love dessert. Christmas cookies, sweetbreads, like, you know, pumpkin bread, banana loaves. Yeah, me too. And when I was a teacher, I got so much of that stuff. And kids would give it to me. And I would get like – because I was the gifted teacher. I had like 100 students. So I would get so many things like that. And then I would just put them on trays and like, here's my holiday cookie spread. I didn't have to bake because I I got them. See, I'm not a baker, but I love to eat baked goods. So – that's the one time a year I can go into the lounge at work and somebody's brought a tray of cookies or... But I only want them if they're homemade. That's the way I am. Well, Christy has a hack. She said, this may not seem like much of a hack, but I truly believe it helps me to be less stressed during the holidays and one of the busiest seasons of the year. We always used to decorate the weekend after Thanksgiving when I was growing up. But this meant that the weekend ended in one of three ways. One, if we were traveling, we either had to rush home to get it done... Two, we weren't allowed to schedule anything else for that weekend. That's not fun when you're a kid. But now it sounds like a chore. Three, we ended up not doing it all or right before Christmas, and then they were only up for a day or a week. I decorate my home at the beginning of November, and I do not undecorate it until the middle or end of January, partially because I love the decorations and I want to enjoy them for more than just one month. But last year was when I really realized that by decorating early, I get to enjoy it all, but I don't have to stress about getting it done in the midst of all the other craziness that starts at Thanksgiving. People may think I'm crazy, but I think it's smart. Also, a wrapping hack. My mom had a wrapping station set up in our house with all the necessities in one place on a table. It was actually a table designed specifically for wrapping, so it was awesome. We had wrapping paper, ribbon, tape, labels, bows, bags, tissue paper, all the things. And anytime one of us bought a gift, we would immediately go to the wrapping paper station and we would wrap it and put it under the tree or wherever we wanted to store it. That way, we were not staying up till all hours of the night on Christmas Eve wrapping all the gifts. We did have plenty of years where that happened, but once the station was created, it became an essential part of our holiday decor. See, Christy and I are like holiday twins because that's what I do. I wrap them as they come in, and it's so easy. You just pop them under the tree, and then there they all are. You're taking the proactive approach to wrapping. Absolutely. All right, Brianna from Rochester, New York, has Thanksgiving tips. She says, I have a Thanksgiving timeline that I use every year that starts a week beforehand. It includes everything from when to start thawing the turkey to getting the grocery shopping done to cooking everything the day before and the day of Thanksgiving. It's my lifeline. Also, get the biggest turkey you can fit in your oven, regardless of how small your guest list is. Turkey is so inexpensive this time of year, and you can freeze all of that leftover meat to eat in the coming months. Uh, Leftover turkey, I don't even know what that is. We eat it all. You know, I will never eat like sliced white bread, but it's just not my thing. But there's something about leftover turkey and mayonnaise on sliced white bread with pickles that if I don't get that at the end of Thanksgiving Day, it wasn't Thanksgiving. (laughs) But it's just, it's that nostalgia from 
when I was a little girl, and that's what we did at my, you know, at my grandma's house or whatever. So Kimberly from Arizona has a gift-giving hack. She said, I have an investment account that I buy stock in each month. For Christmas, I gift a few shares of that stock to each of my children and grandchildren. It's not a big financial shock at Christmas time, and there's no trying to make everyone's gifts equal to the others, and no last-minute shopping. I do buy a small gift that matches the stock. For example, one year their gift stock was Ford, so I bought everyone a Ford Matchbox car. It's turned into a great tradition where they try to guess the stock each Christmas Eve. That's fun, and it's teaching them to invest. I love that idea. I'm filing this away for future grandkids. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Joan, the fasting foodie in Milwaukee. She says, for my fellow Hanukkah latke makers. Did I say that right? Latke? Is it latke? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. I apologize to everyone (laughs) if I said it wrong. Latke? Latke? I don't know. Trader Joe's makes frozen latkes that are every bit as good as homemade without the mess. As far as gifts go for older kids, experiences make the best gifts. I think that's true. Just another example of a word that I've never said out loud. We're both wrong. What is it? Lotka? Lotka. You looked it up. Lotka. See, we get our own lessons while we're working on these podcasts. Everything has lessons. So let's not forget New Year's Eve. You know, even though we are not big New Year's Eve celebrators, I'm thinking about it this year. I just don't know. You know, holiday parties, it's really fun to get together. We just had... Towards the end of summer, we had a big block party in our neighborhood. The neighbor next door just invited everybody. We all came over. It's really good to get to know your your neighbors. So think of how you can get to know people around you, and that makes it feel more like a community. So one party planning expert recommends that if you want to have a New Year's Eve party, make it bring your own beverage, BYOB. So that keeps the costs contained and everybody, you know, gets what they're they're looking for. And you can also have mocktails for anybody who's a designated driver in the neighborhood. We'll just walk on over there, right? <laughs> no one has to drive. I have a contribution from Beth from Santa Cruz. And she says... It's not exactly a hack, but it's more of a tradition. We have an accomplishments jar on our counter, and all year long, when someone in the family does something especially noteworthy, we add it to the jar. On New Year's Day, we read them out loud together, and then I put each person's in their own envelope with the year on it. It's amazing how many things you forget about doing or getting done. And then those envelopes come in handy later when my boys applied to college because we started doing it since they were little. Oh, that is great. And then you remember all the stuff that happened and you have it there. That You really do forget all the stuff. The years get so busy and you really do forget. So, And, you know, we just talked about it being BYOB, but also don't hesitate to ask people to bring stuff. Let it be a potluck. Everybody bring an appetizer to share. I don't know of any person that's going to be upset that they were invited to party and asked to bring something. Because at least, you know, there'll be something you like because you brought it. But bring something, and I always love those kind of events. Everybody bring BYOB and bring a potluck, something like that. Although I would probably just have champagne for everybody because you know me. Champagne for everyone, but if you want something else, bring it. But it doesn't have to be fancy. Anyway, I was just going to say it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be dress up, black tie. Just be casual. No, I'm probably more prone to go to a party that's that I'm told is casual. I don't want the stress of having to find an outfit. You know me, I don't like to shop, Jen. 
And I don't have fancy clothes. I wear scrubs or jeans. Well, you know, I just had to go to an event in Arizona and it was the gala. And you were scrambling trying to find a dress. And I was scrambling. I wore a dress from 2003 that I had in my closet. So yeah, casual is great. So another great idea that is a lot of fun and that one lister shared is to have each guest bring a fun calendar to a New Year's Eve party. And they have those fun calendars that are like the little tear off every day. They've got like the word of the day or daily trivia calendars. Some of them have like jokes, whatever. And then you play a gift exchange game or you have a drawing and you exchange the, the calendars amongst your gifts. So that's a That's a fun thing to do. Oh, that's fun. So everybody leaves. It's a new year and you have a new calendar. So hopefully you picked up on some good tips today that can help you manage the holiday season with a bit more efficiency and less stress. If you need some good holiday joy this season, like I did last year, you should go back and listen to our holiday joy episode. It's episode number four. And um, on that episode, listeners shared their favorite holiday traditions and recipes from around the world. And it was a lot of fun to record. Jen and I learned so much about traditions and foods from around the world. And we even have recipes posted on our website that were shared from that episode, such as Jen's cheese dates recipe and uh, one listener's favorite Japanese Christmas cake that I'm still really intrigued by and want to try. So that was a lot of fun. Listen to that episode as you're doing holiday stuff. Okay, so before we get to the listener-led lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible to bring you the podcast. But we don't want to talk about a company today. When Jen and I started the podcast, we did not go conventional advertising route that a lot of podcasts do. We really wanted to just help support the podcast with companies that we use and love, like Beauty Counter, like Sunbasket, Hungry Root, Branch Basics. These are companies that we actually use their products in our lives, in our homes, that we trust, that work. But we kind of got into a point, we're at a point where we need to keep the lights on for the podcast, okay? Because the the relationships we have with those companies are affiliate relationships. So when you buy the products, we get an affiliate payment type thing. And, you know, there are a lot of expenses and putting out a podcast. More than I ever knew. (laughs) And Jen and I love to do this and we love to bring you the podcast every week. And we have so much fun and we learn a lot and we hope that you learn a lot, but it is not free for us to do this. And so we are really going to ask you for a little bit of support. We're not asking you to buy anything. We would love if you love the podcast and you get something from it, if you get value from our podcast each week, would you consider please making a contribution to the show through our PayPal address? It could be a dollar. It could be $5. Only you know the value we bring to your life. So if you would consider making us a contribution, we would really, really appreciate it. You just go to PayPal and then you pay us through our account, which is our email. It's connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. Thank you for sharing that, Sherry, because yeah, it would super help with us, with our podcast expenses. All right. So next we have a segment that we call our listener-led lesson. It might be a life hack, a book recommendation, a special recipe, a kitchen tip, or anything along those lines. Today's listener-led lesson comes from Amy in Colorado. 
She would like to share a particular episode of a different podcast with our listeners. Amy recommends an episode of the Hidden Brain podcast featuring an interview with Dr. Kristen Neff, a psychologist and author. Have you heard of this podcast, The Hidden Brain? I think I've heard of it, but I've never listened to it. I can kind of picture it in my head. Like what it might, like the cover art? Like the logo. Yeah. uh huh. So she writes, we can all learn to be kinder to ourselves. On this episode, the host interviews Dr. Neff about the empirical data and long-term benefits of making friends with your inner critic, mindfulness, letting go of perfection, and being self-compassionate. Well, that's that's pretty fitting because you may have noticed today I made a post about that in the Delayed on Tonight community. What we talk about, in our, that was just a coincidence, the self-talk. What we say inside of our own heads is so powerful. It matters so much. It's part of fostering a healthy mindset. But, you know, people talk to themselves in a way they would never talk to, you know, a loved friend. Or I saw a meme recently that says, talk, I'm going to start talking to myself the way I talk to my dog. Like, you're so cute. (laughs) So at the end of each show, we share a motivational quote from a listener. And today's quote comes from Debbie. It corresponds beautifully to our topic from a couple of weeks ago regarding the book, Say It Now, Say It Right. The quote is, replace sorry with thank you. So instead of, I'm sorry I'm late, say, thank you for waiting for me. I love this quote because it reminds me to be strong and confident because words are powerful. As Jen just said, too many times in work and personal conversations, I tend to diminish my input or apologize for something trivial. I hope others can use and benefit from this quote. See, I'm trying to rehearse it in my head. And in my head, it always comes out like, thank you for waiting for me. I'm sorry I was late. I don't like to be late, though. That's also part of it. Thank you for waiting for me. I'm sorry I was late. I'm going to have to work on that. Well, I think we are conditioned to apologize. And one of the episodes that we did, I can't remember which one it was, talked about when people don't have a good, strong sense of self-worth. And it might have been Brene Brown's book that they become over-apologizers, that they start apologizing for everything. And they apologize for things that they have no control over. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, I wouldn't, if you have no control over it, that's a different kind of a thing. I guess you could be late because of the train and it's not your fault. Like me, stuck on the interstate for three and a half hours the other night. We have a lot of trains in Augusta, in case you didn't know. That's often a reason why someone is late. And maybe you're just having a really bad day and you don't have to apologize for that. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us today. And it is not too early to put up your Christmas tree. I think we learned. Mine's probably already up by the time you're listening. Um, Make sure to join our Facebook community. It's called Life Lessons with Jen and Sherry. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. We'd love for you to leave a review. That helps us reach others. You know, the more people that are listening, the better. Do you have a story to share for our good news segment, a listener-led lesson, or a motivational quote that means something to you? Or do you have an area of expertise that you want to share as our featured guest for the week as we present our weekly life lesson? Email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com and listen each week to see if we share your story or tip. And until next week, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.